1: on nuggets and the denver stiff show this is a, another cross episode and since you guys did not like the amount of lakers talk that we had now we just are crossing over to another nuggets pod. ryan blackburn joins me matt moore uh, i'm the host oh. of locked on nuggets along with adam mares who was once the editor of denverstiffs.com but now mm-hmm. that's ryan blackburn who joins me tonight. Uh, Ryan hit me up this morning and was like, hey, do you have time? Because I feel like people are freaking out and we need to like sort some stuff out. So I don't know how much of a calming voice I will be for you, Ryan, uh, or for the, the people that you were seeking to calm, but I think it'll be a good conversation. Where do you want to start with this Nuggets team?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's just really important for people to take into perspective that we're still extremely early in the season. Things aren't the, like the sky isn't falling in the way that things are seeming. Nikola Jokic is still playing at the level of the best player in the NBA so far this year. And they still have a lot of time to figure things out, though. A lot of things are falling into place where decisions are going to have to be made. And and we're we're kind of reaching that point of the season where there's enough sample size to really make some conclusions and talk about what this season is going to be looking like for the rest of the year and what, what Denver's goals should be and how they should approach them. So I just wanted to talk to you because I, I know you are a good kind of big picture person with these conversations. And though we've had a lot of uh, smaller picture conversations over the last couple of weeks, there are some big picture conversations that we need to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think there's, it's true. I think we talk about it being early. Um, and I think people are used to the 82 game season, right? And so it becomes like this, like, it's still early. Look about how it's the season only started back at Christmas. There's not that much. The Nuggets have played 28 games. Okay. That's 39% of the season so far. They have played 39% of the season in two weeks. It will have been half of the season, like half of the season. It will have gone by um, I think there are tough conversations to be had. I think the biggest problem, honestly, though, is like less of a, in my opinion, a lot of this is like the fans need to reset expectations. That's where I'm kind of at in, okay. um, if you expected to compete for the Western conference finals again, which I think was a reasonable expectation at the start of the season, despite the loss, cause all of us kind of did the like, oh my God, they lost Jeremy Grant. What are they gonna do? And then like by a month later, we're like, they might be okay. They might be okay. And honestly, I think the big thing was because Mason was so infuriating with the missed dunks or the the post-ups and stuff like that, his value got tossed aside. And sure. we're seeing a lot of like this team would be probably significantly better in the win column if they just had Mason Plumley. Like, he would just fill a need that yep. they have um and would provide enough defense to help out in significant ways as much as like he's a maybe a flawed defender in certain situations he's overall a very good professional basketball player and so um i think at this point i'm ready to say like you should probably ex- like y- I thought the regression was going to come last year. It's like, oh, you made the playoffs. You finally made it in. You got to the second round, which most teams in their first appearance don't do. Okay, now you're probably going to have to take a step back and and face the hard stuff. And instead, they went to the Western Conference finals and came back from 3-1 twice, and that's amazing. And now I'm like, okay, but you got hit with the hard luck now of Jeremy Grant deciding that your money wasn't good enough. Um, Even, like, literally the same money just wasn't good enough. I don't want your money. I want the exact same money from someone else. They lost Mason. And I think the moves that they've made haven't panned out. And so I I think it's time to establish as a starting block, like you're probably, you don't want to be trying to reach the Western conference finals through one trade. I don't think that's reasonable to expect.
0: Yeah. And then just going back to the Jeremy Grant thing, I did raise an eyebrow when, when a tweet came out across my timeline earlier today that despite scoring a career high 43 points that Jeremy Grant said it wasn't enough unless they were winning but uh uh but it is what it yeah, is yeah but like i guess here's
1: the thing though with that ryan is um jeremy made a conscious decision which he has the right to do like i i will say this we presented it as a binary like as you, as you just did like well look you can go get the stats or you can win which do you want Sure. And Jeremy Grant's entire thing was like, I I'd reject that binary, you know, like his claim is, no, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers. I want to win. I want to play for a black coach. I want to play for a black GM. Sure. And, you know, the fact that he's got three of the four is good. And he's hopeful that the team will he has trust in Troy Weaver to get them in a direction that they're going for sure. He would be a winning basketball player still making 60 million over the course of his contract, um, if he stayed, that's, that's definitely true, but we're seeing also like, he would still be considered a lot less than what he was correctly, correct in, in, you know, asserting he was.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And he, he made a career decision that was like, I think, I think earth shattering from a lot of people's perspective and that they didn't really recognize what he could be, And he had that self-belief and he made good on it and then good for him. And and people are talking about him as a potential all-star snub or or a potential even all-star selection at this point. And that is is good for him. The unfortunate part for Denver's side of this is that it really blindsided them. They had expected that he would come back. They had Mm -hmm. expected and kind of had their ready-made plans where he was a major part of that and a major reason why they didn't go out and make the changes that people would have wanted to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'll I'll say this. You can say like, well, you should have been prepared in case he didn't return. Um, No, I think that's a fair criticism. I think, I think that's a fair criticism. I do think ultimately it doesn't reflect the reality of how this usually goes in the NBA where it's like, you have to have been in on these conversations for a while. And most, most agents would have been like, Oh, we're not going to talk to Denver. You know Jeremy Grant's going to resign there, and they're not going to they're not going to need him. You know, so like they already had these other conversations going, and their their clients were already excited about going other places. Plus, like part of it was just you know Jeremy's not a unicorn, but super long, athletic stretch four that can play the three. It's pretty close. Shoots from forty percent from three. Yeah, Yeah. um, great weak side defender. Even if he's not great in man or great man and not weak side defender, depending on on the situation, like everything that Jeremy has is a tough combo to find. There wasn't like, I can't think of anybody that was on the market that they could have been prepped for and gotten. Um, The only real option for them to have made an upgrade was the Drew holiday trade. And I just, I cannot believe that Denver would ever be in that the city of Denver, that the basketball team that lives in Denver, would ever be in a good – with this ownership group, would ever be in a good spot trading five draft picks. I just can't. I can't believe yeah. that that's ever going to work out well.
0: Yeah, the only one that I would have circled was Robert Covington, and he hasn't been perfect in terms of the the Portland Trailblazer system and, and how he has performed there. Uh, but that was a move that happened before the draft, before – all of Denver's ready-made, ready-made plans could kind of crumble the way that they did, right? And so there wasn't really an opportunity for them to pivot. And we, we've circled a couple of names that may, maybe get traded at the trade deadline, like Aaron Gordon or Harrison Barnes. But that's just kind of a—it's just kind of a whim at this point. There is no guarantee that either of those guys are going to get moved, and there's no guarantee that the Nuggets are going to be able to f- fix these ready-made plans that were that were kind of pushed into the sun. So I, I, I just wanted to, if we are resetting expectations, if we are talking about where this team is at, you are in the firm belief that they are a worse team than last year, because there are a couple of numbers, net rating being one of them, that says they are actually a better team than last year, which I don't really agree with, because I, like you, understand how valuable Jeremy Grant is in the grand scheme of things, but... A lot of people thought that that would make a difference,
1: and, and it really hasn't. Let's take a break, and when we come back, let's dive into that question of, are they better than last year? Because I think it's a really interesting one that deserves like a close examination uh, of exactly what it means and how we arrive at that conclusion. Let's do that after we take a break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Back here on Locked on Nuggets slash The Denver Stiff
0: Show. I'm just going to hop in there and and make sure I insert myself as as much as
1: I can here. You are. You're the co-host. We are co-hosting this, uh, Matt Moore and Ryan Blackburn. So, our question going into the end of this segment is, are the Nuggets better or worse than last season? And you mentioned the net rating, which there's a couple of things. Here, I think to assert. I think one, um, I'm big on saying this, and and listeners know I talk a lot about how teams are oftentimes three different teams throughout the course of a season. Um, The Jazz started off and they were just kind of like, eh. And then they became this juggernaut and they're riding high and they feel really great about themselves and we're the Western Cut Word number one and this is the year and who they wind up being in that third. Stretch before the end of the of the regular season is going to be very interesting and very telling about how hard it is to maintain that kind of a of a streak. Sure, um, so. the Nuggets. This is one of the things is I don't know if Denver is that much of a different team than they were to start the season. It, given that the only real different, like Jamal Murray's had two different seasons. Sure. Oh yeah, He turned the yeah, corner, yeah. right? But maybe you can say like the beginning of the season and the three losses to the Kings and them just being mostly just lost to start the year. And then like, kind of like this current season, which is like, okay, they're, they're better, but they're injured. And that's causing a lot of problems. But like you mentioned the net rating, part of that is the inherent nature of the NBA this year is there's just like a lot of games that are just massive blowouts, right? right. Just is unbelievable. Um, Denver versus Cleveland on February 10th, 38 38- net rating in that game uh denver at miami which we know now that miami is not a good team right. up 29.3 okay with nobody nobody was back to that game uh the Knicks game 28.5 okc 17.3 their one two three four five their fifth best net rating on the season was that Valentine's game day uh, game versus the Lakers last week at plus 17.2, which is impressive. They got the Houston Rockets without half of their team. That's a 13.0. My point in saying all this, and then the the, uh, half of the um, Sixers was a plus 12.2. So you have a lot of these games that um, certainly still count. I'm not disputing that. Um, I'd have to look it up, but I would imagine that what happens is the law, the Nuggets net rating and losses this year is likely worse than the net rating in losses last year. And that this that kind of balances out a little bit of, of the effect. I also just think you mentioned you're like, well, because they don't have Jeremy Grant. It's not even that. It's really not. It's that last year's team, they needed Joker to play well because he's their best player. Yep. That's still true. Um, I don't think they needed Jamal to play well. That made them great when he did last year, but they weren't, dependent on jamal and the reason they weren't is because it did feel like look they got enough weapons like somebody's gonna have a good night like somebody's gonna play well yeah. or like two to three guys are gonna play well yeah and in my opinion a lot of it is they just don't have anybody they can depend on this year uh but with the injuries to will barton and gary harris um will's personal issue that's caused an issue and then most notably faco Composo and Michael Porter Jr. Like those are the two yeah. uh, like additions and you can't depend on them to carry you at all.
0: Yeah. It's, I think there are some interesting numbers with regard to Porter. I, ca- I want to transition to him because I think you're right. I think that Jokic is the guy that he is better than he was last year. And, and he's, he's raised, he's improved his game to another level that I didn't foresee. Jamal Murray, his numbers are basically identical to what they were last year. Been over Good that, man. he's been up and down. But but like he's been he's been the same level of player in the regular season that he was last year. So it, it has to come from somewhere else if Jokic has been better than he was. And I really do think that it's it's spots three through ten that have, have really depressed in, in terms of their overall level of production, their level of consistency. Porter was supposed to be the guy that stood up and, and, and made that case for fulfilling that role as a, a third star, if you will. Let me just read these numbers here. Uh, he's played 18 games and he has a positive plus minus in 11 of them. The Nuggets are nine and two in those games. They're eight and oh when he has a plus minus of plus three or higher. When he has a plus minus that is even or negative, the Nuggets are O and seven. They are extremely dependent on good Michael Porter Jr. performances at this point in order to play well in order. And it's, it's not just him necessarily, but it really is because he is the X factor. He is the wild card. He is the guy that they haven't been able to count on every night in order for that good consistent performance that I think Paul Millsap for a long time was contributing. Jeremy Grant obviously was contributing though, not as much in the regular season, Uh, But Will Barton, Gary Harris, Monte Morris, I think Monte's improved, but can it really be said that all of those other consistent guys have, have really improved this year or, or stagnated? I think there's been a lot of regression actually.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I I don't have like a lot of guys that I think have regressed. I don't think, I don't think that Gary's worse than he was last year. I think he's been injured, but he really started to play well towards that before he got hurt. Right. Um, Will I think honestly has been fine. He's inconsistent, like yeah. he's not as good as he was the first three months of last season. But
0: which I think I mean, is important when when establishing that baseline, though
1: that that this team they
0: were incredibly good for for most of those minutes that Will Barton was good and he carried the team for a lot of that stretch during January last year when half the
1: rotation was out. Right, um, and the other thing is like those guys have like. Will had a knee, had a knee injury that ended his season. Gary's yep. had another core injury. Yep, and Michael's had COVID twice. Yep, and like that's where everyone kind of like I don't know. The problem with this stuff is we just. I will say this: if there are one, if there are lingering, if because this was a thing with Tatum, they said like he's still experiencing like lingering effects. I'm like he shouldn't be playing. Sure. Like I right. just I'll that. just say that I'll I'll go out and the head that one if there is any sign that these guys are still dealing with symptoms, they should not be playing. We do not understand enough about the long-term effects of the illness because it literally hasn't been around that long. <laughs> like we don't have a long-term to, to compare it to. Um, and I, to me, that's just, that's just crazy. So if MPJ is still dealing with it also though, if you're not, if you are going to play him, if there are still issues that are related to the COVID thing, you've got to get that out into the media. Like te- text Mike Singer, text me. Text, uh, text Nick, text, text you, text Harrison, anybody that covers the team. Sure. Katie. Yeah. Chris Dempsey, anybody. And just be like, hey, we, we need to make... And the reason is it's not fair if that's affecting him for it not to be known and for people to be assessing it otherwise. Um, You mentioned some of the net ratings. I will say this, that I don't know how often the net rating impact of him being a positive has mashed up with a game where I felt like he played well. Sure. 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 Like that's a, like that I think is an issue. Um, like his best net rating this season was Cleveland. He scored 19 points on six of 10 shooting, five boards, two assists, two steals, two blocks. That was a good game. He was sure, plus 28 sure. in that game, but everybody yeah. played well. Cause Cleveland had just decided, okay, we're done. Um, You know, Phoenix, he scores 14 on 5 of 19. Uh, Dallas, he scored 30 and was a plus 10. That's probably his strongest performance of the season, right? Is like the win over Dallas when he scores 30 on 10 of 18. That's probably the best for him. But, like, after that, it's, you know, he was a plus 9 versus the Lakers with 8 points on 3 of 11 shooting. You know, so uh, I I don't find – and this is the other thing I I just find is – I don't have a lot of games this season. There were them last year, which is what's odd. There were games last year where I could go like Porter won them that game. Like he was so good. The Indiana game is the easy one to remember, but there are others that he was so good that the other team was just shook. And we're like, we don't know what to do with this kid. I don't know. There is one of those this year. I really don't. Yeah. It
0: certainly feels like there has been some regression in various cases that the things that were working last year for him are not working this year for him some of that could be coming into the starting lineup play playing just a, a better cast of, of players and opposition against him uh, and him not being able to adjust to that some of that could be a lack of fundamental skills that i think he is really showing over the course of the start of this year where there's a lot of functional strength and we've talked about his hands before and we've talked, but I I think it's almost as much legs and back with him that if he was stronger in those areas and more developed in those areas, then things would look a lot better. And and it, it, it would look better on offense and defense because then he would be moving better and then he would be posting better. And there's just, I think there are a lot of things that you can point to that say, okay, there's some stuff that's going on between the ears that He's he's working too fast. He's thinking too much. There's stuff physically that, okay, he's not quite ready to handle this burden. But that kind of goes along with where the Nuggets are in general, is that they have put a lot of stock into him being the player that he can't currently be right
1: now. And I think
0: it's hurting their overall structure.
1: I also think – there is always kind of, I think a reluctance from the players, whenever a front office organization makes a declaration that a young player is the deciding point. Sure. Um, if you're Nikola Jokic and you're Jamal Murray and you were down 2 one versus the Spurs in your first playoff series, after you played miserably in those first two games and in, and, and then the third, and you come all the way back and you win a game seven um, you were down if you're Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic Paul Millsap Gary Harris and you were down two one after losing the many overtimes game versus Portland in agonizing fashion you're on the road for game four and you dug your way out of it Sure. You were down three one to the Jazz when he was unplayable in that series. You were down three one to the Clippers and you dug your way back out twice. And then the conversation is we will only go as far as Michael Porter Jr. It's tough. It's it's not a that, great look. That I think that has and I think that's one of the reasons is like I, I think the, the players are kind of okay with it if you show up and you do it, right? Like if you show up and you are that they'll get on board, but uh, there have been times this season where it does seem like everyone's kind of looking at him, like, okay, like, you know, I mean, Jokic, I think there have been open times where he's like, what more must I do? <laughs> yeah. He's uh
0: Jokic is getting frustrated. Murray is getting frustrated though. And he, he more, kind of shows it with when and takes a lot of self-ownership with a lot of those things. Jokic can be a little bit more open with it. Um, but Yeah. Mike, Mike has to be better and he has to be more consistent. And I, I asked, I asked Jamal this of a few games ago about the, the identity of resilience and, and what he wants, like, like what they're missing from that right now. And do they need to get back to that? And he'd said that he didn't want to be the resilient team he wanted to be the team that hits first and i think that there is a possibility that michael porter junior could be a part of a team that hits first but i don't think the rest of the roster i don't i just don't think that that's how they're wired i think that they are best like you like you said they they try to be the best when the chips are down and they can claw back and fight back and really dig deep on on their roots i'm not sure if that's the type of player that michael porter junior is or at least it's mm. not the one that he showed in the first 72 whatever games of his, of his career. It might take time, it might, it might take development, it might take not being great in your first year altogether in order to reap the benefits down the road. I think the Nuggets have to ask themselves and I'm sure that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, they're all struggling with this conversation too. Are we willing to wait for this guy? so that we can reap the benefits years from now when we are playing elite basketball?
1: The risk I think is that we have to at least state the risk, which is that he's not that guy, that he has star talent, but can't put it together for a team. Sure uh there's a comparison that was made to me that has left me just stunned and I keep coming back to it and it uh one of the writers that has covered the Bucks for a long time messaged me and was like you know who he reminds me of is Jabari Parker and it just will not leave my brain um now Parker had a couple of things he had an ACL his first season Sure. And was never really the same after that. He had continuing issues. He had Jason Kidd, who was like, You're a big. Doesn't matter what you're doing. You're a big. That's who you are. You're a big man. Don't try and spread the floor. Get in there and rebound and play defense. And like, it's Jabari Parker, man. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, any game weight. And that was part of the issue. Um, He was a guy that at Duke, I liked him as much as any prospect. He had great passing. He had such natural scoring ability. Um, yeah. But attitude, a mental approach, the physical ailments, all of those things played a part. And the, there's a, a further question to this, which is like you asked, are you willing to wait? I think if I'm going to think about it from their perspective, I would be approaching it with a, should I have to? Because if the nuggets are wrong and he can't put it together, that's it for them.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a really tough question, man. Uh, there's a lot of stock being put into Michael Porter jr. Uh, Tim Connelly said as much on the opening media press conference that we are putting a lot of, uh, there's a lot being put on Michael Porter Jr.'s Shoulders and that's true, that that has been the case. And there's been a lot thrown at Michael Porter Jr. in these first 18 games of, of his season, along with the 10 games missed due to COVID, that this is uh, this is mentally taxing. It's physically taxing for him. He's at the point of breaking. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, it's, a, it's a long way back from where they currently are right now the question is like are if, if you're the if you're the nuggets, if you're Jamal Murray and you're Nikola Jokic, like you said, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to put up with the growth pains? Uh they they decided not to go after James Harden for a reason. They're probably not going to go after Bradley Beal. That might not even be available to them at this point. I'm not sure what would be available to them at this point because they have been very patient. They have said we are not going to skip steps and they believe this is the last step before they become a legitimate championship contender year in and year out. I just hope they're right. I, I hope that they are right. I think that there probably has to be some roster reconstruction in order to make that case, in order to make this a reality, because I don't think that Michael Porter Jr. is at his best and can flourish in the situation that they're in now he has to just be as good as possible in this situation but it's also not necessarily on michael malone and, and tim connolly to cater to him and, and wait for him to to be in the perfect situation you you've pointed this out for sure yeah.
1: i i am with you in this regard in that i think he operates better offensively as a stretch four this is yet another cost of grant this is like the cost of Jeremy Grant is yep. if you play Porter at three, he can't guard the wings. He needs to guard power forwards because most of them are not big enough to really punish him for it. Yep. Um, but you also need somebody with length and athleticism that can handle his, like you need somebody on that can take the tougher assignment on both ends. like, you you need somebody that on either position rather, like you need a guy that can basically mirror him, which is what Grant did. That's why I think it worked there for a little bit. Yep. Um I'm with you. I am in agreement on this. I just I think there's a point where you are in a dangerous position if you're like Nicole Jokic is playing MVP level basketball, Jamal Murray is back to drop in 30. And you are having to make allowances for somebody that hasn't done anything except have a handful of really good games scoring and got played off the floor in Utah. Like, I think that's a tough sell to a team to be like, Hey, we got to make this easier on Michael. We, we gotta, we gotta make sure that we're putting Michael in the best position to succeed. Like you got, but Nicole Jokic in the best position to succeed. That's, Right, like that's right. where the team is. Like at some point, you do have to take on the the more certain proposition. I said last year on one of the fan late night hits that I thought Michael Porter Jr. might hit All-Star before Jamal Murray. I thought he might become an all-star before Murray would.
0: And, and that's Brandon. still possible, by the way.
1: It's still possible. Right. <laughs> um, it's also possible that they'll make it the same year with them on different teams. But <laughs> I just think um I I do find that some of this is like, look, you have an incredible playmaker playing MVP level basketball. You have a guard that teams are having to send multiple guys at. All you got to do is learn how to flow in a five man basketball team, which in the NBA, which is extremely hard. And I get that, but you're extremely talented as you have told people over and over again for years. Like, I absolutely think that's part of the, of where the team when you pick up on stuff, when you're watching and you're like, there's a vibe here that's weird. That I think is a ton of it. I will never forget Paul Millsap's media day last year where we asked him like, Hey, you know, what do you think about Michael Porter jr? And he said, I'm really excited to see if he's as good as he's been telling us he is <laughs> like, that's a joking, haha. But Millsap's a pretty, he's pretty stoic. He's pretty, pretty low. Yeah. Team. Not, not, Not a jokey guy that Paul Mills said, (laughs) not, not life of the party. Um, I think there was a kernel of truth to it. Let's take a break. And we've talked to MPJ when we come back. I want to, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the roster construction. Okay. And I want to talk about the upside, even if expectations are lowered this season. Okay. Let's do that after a break. final segment on locked on nuggets
0: slash the denver Stiffs show we love you here we're, we're co-hosting it's great
1: with ryan blackburn i'm matt moore thanks for joining us i appreciate it make sure you go to denverstiffs.com i don't i have no idea why you're a locked on nuggets listener if you're not going to stiffs i have zero clue why you would do that why you would not be listening to all their great podcasts why you would not be reading all the great content but you should do that go to go to denverstiffs.com and check out the great content there so we talked about the roster construction um I am in the middle of a just losing my mind situation with Faco Compazzo, yeah. where everyone's like, wow, he, he was great tonight. And like, I'm watching the clips and going like, he, he is getting destroyed, destroyed <laughs> defensively. Like, it's great that he can make an entry pass. Nicole Jokic, who's 6'11". Great job. However... Um, and it's not that I think that Compasso is not good. It's that I think that specifically Campazo is tough to deal with on this team. I think that Campazo is being asked to do a lot on this team and they brought him in to be a difference maker on this team. Like he was the guy that they were all like, let me tell you about Faco Compasso. Like they were super excited about him and it was him. And then like uh, to a secondary level, it was like, Hey, we got your Michael Green we think your Michael Green's really good. And other than fouling in that last game, which again, we talked about, like I, them's the them's the breaks in the nba sure i think michael has been great this year yeah but the roster does seem to be missing something uh it seems to be missing a few things and they have young guys that i think can eventually take those roles but they're a playoff team and they need them filled now yeah and they, they need a veteran on the bench is where i gotta get to and I'm fine with it being a big, I'm fine with it being a wing, I'm fine with it being a guard. Either way, I'm fine with all of that, but it's gotta be an NBA veteran player that can come in, help the defense. Like the biggest thing is it's fine if you can't score. Like if Jamal Murray's not scoring, and so it's these lineups with Monte or Faku and Jamal, and Jamal's not tearing tearing it up offensively that night, that's fine. You know, and like J. Mike's only hit a couple of threes. That's okay. You can't be bleeding points and that like you got to be able to pick and choose. So that's where I'm at is like, I do think that if they want to make the kind of run that they made last year, they're going to have to find an under the radar sneaky move to get a veteran and they're going to have to give up almost nothing for it because they got to keep the powder dry in case they want to make a big move later. Yeah, I'm with you on all of that, and and just stepping back and,
0: and going back to Faku real quick. I, I think I think Matt's right on this, and and I think that there's there's definitely a a notion that the Nuggets are okay and and actually really good when when Faku is on the floor, and there there are some situations where yes, he is. Most of those are against lottery teams that don't have guys that can punish him, and most of those situations are. They would be okay if the Nuggets had a Joel Embiid as their defensive rim protector and elite defensive help, which they don't. Uh, that's, that's good rotation guys. That's guys that get into passing lanes really well. They don't have that personnel. They don't have that level of defensive acumen to be able to make it work, which means that you can't have that liability in the first place. Uh, Jokic is already established there. Murray's already established. They're hoping to establish Porter. Uh, I don't know if that's ultimately going to happen, but they're hoping to establish those guys. And I think that they need to be thinking about who in the league is going to accentuate those guys' strengths as best as they can while limiting those weaknesses that we've already seen crop up. Uh, a defensive wing would be great. Uh, a, a more traditional pick and roll big uh, that can be off the bench, that can that can pair with Jamal Murray and be a little bit better than Isaiah Hartenstein that would also be great. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I could see them, them going after that kind of set the table and, and really put things into better position for this roster. But you're right, they have to keep that powder dry too because if they sell out for a guy like Aaron Gordon, for example, who I think is probably the best possible option on the trade market to try to make Michael Porter Jr. work specifically, uh, if it doesn't work,
1: then you're screwed. Yeah, I think that's that's all in line. Um, here's a question: If you had to choose between a disappointing accepting a disappointing finish to this season and keeping the powder dry, what do you choose? Uh, yeah, I I'm always of the
0: opinion that you should go for it. I'm always of the opinion that while you have elite talent on your roster, you have a mandatory responsibility to try to put those guys in the best position to win. How many years are there going to be in his career that Nikola Jokic could legitimately claim to be the first or second or third best player in the NBA? I don't think there are going to be many unless he turns out to just be Larry Bird. And if that's the case, then then cool. Then maybe maybe they have a longer window as long as he extends, then, then I'm giving them credit for. But right now you only have this year, the next year, and the year after that, until Jokic's contract is up. And I think that you have a responsibility within that time to give him as great of a team as you possibly can in order to win a title. If that includes Michael Porter Jr., then great. And I think you should continue to try to build around Michael Porter Jr. and try to get him into be in a position where he can contribute to that winning process. If it doesn't, then that's fine, too. But you have to go one way or the other.
1: You know, part of the weird dynamic is, uh, and then I this is from talking to a lot of executives without details about Porter, just talking about things in general. And this is through the years, but also this year. A lot of it is if you know a guy is so good that he's untouchable, you don't have expectations of getting him back in a trade. So, like, no one is calling the Nuggets and being like, hey, so (laughs) Nikola, like, that's not a thing, right? Like, they don't do that. Um, Last year, they called about Jamal quite a bit. This year, my understanding is that there have been very few, and it's only been, like, conversations for the upper echelon type discussions of like the most elite. And those are situations where Denver goes, no, he's no. Did you watch him in the playoffs? Did, did you see any of that? Cause no. Um, with Porter, the problem is you really need him to get good enough to where they're like, Oh, well clearly they're not going to trade Porter before you can, pull off the deal for the other star because otherwise any conversation is going to be like, I can't do this deal and not get Porter. Sure. Like I can't not get Porter in this deal. You know, ESPN, uh, Bobby Marks had like a list of like the top five most valuable trade assets in the NBA. And one of them was Michael Porter Jr. Right. Uh, And this is what I continue to say is The Nuggets have done a really good job. Conley's done a really good job in this one specific fashion, which is they have done what's best for the team, even if it risks losing job security, which not a lot of GMs are willing to do that. The whole not skipping steps thing is dangerous. Oh yeah. Like that's dangerous because if you, if you take a wrong step and you got to take, you know, climb back out like they are now, it could be devastating. Um, if you try to skip one, you'll it increases the odds of you slipping and falling into the water. So when I say that, I mean that it would be very easy, I think for a lot of GMs to make certain deals, but in this instance, I actually think that Tim, I, I hope Tim Conley and the front office, Calvin Booth and, and Tom about, chess and the rest like that they consider very seriously. If you trade Michael Porter jr. And he becomes an all-star it's going to hang on you. Like they traded Nurkic and he's been injured and I don't think he's been very good, but he's been injured, but it hasn't been like Nurkic has powered them to the finals. Like he was not around for the Western conference finals run. Right. Um, we'll See what happens this year because it's definitely on the table. You've got like Gobert, but that one was like everybody kind of missed on Rudy Gobert. The Donovan Mitchell thing is obviously not <laughs> ideal. Um, and that's, and that's right. But if you were to do all of that, and then it's like you trade Michael Porter Jr. and he becomes like the third score, highest score in the NBA, it it hangs on you. And this is why I keep saying is like you can't you can't trade him, he's too damn talented. Um which is why it's so frustrating that the team seems so discordant when he's on the floor. Um let's talk about some upside. Okay. So sure. Let's let's reset expectations to make the playoffs. Do we want to say that they should reach the second round? Are we there?
0: Yeah, I I think that their expectations should still be that look, they're going through a downturn right now. But I still think that their expectations should be, we want to make the playoffs. We want to avoid the play-in game. And we would like to be a top five seed so that they can avoid Utah, the Clippers, the Lakers. And then they match up with a team that's like them, like a Phoenix, like a San Antonio and like a Golden State. And then you win that playoff series. And then you go to the second round and you challenge whoever's above you, and and whether they win, whether they lose, it is what it is. They lost Jeremy Grant. Like I understand that you're you're probably not going to go, and and fail upwards in that right. in that case. It was always going to be a problem when Jeremy Grant left. There were no magic beans to get better unless they pulled off a a deal that that hit unexpectedly. I think that if if Michael Porter Jr is in your starting lineup and you win a playoff series. I still think that is a successful year. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting.
1: That's interesting. Um, Does he have to start the entire series or is it like, just like, (laughs) because I feel like there's like a good chance. He starts a playoff series. (laughs) I'm not sure that he finishes starting a playoff series. I will say this though
0: um, point out that in that Utah series, he still did play upwards of 30 minutes in most of those games after he was benched.
1: So let's, yeah. let's just, let's just call call that what it is. Yeah. So what here's, I think is, is kind of interesting, right? Is if you ask me, has everything gone right for the nuggets in any single year, the, it went pretty well for them in 2018, 19, they were yeah. mostly healthy. Yeah. Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Mills had missed time, but they got back after the all-star break. Right. Um, they weren't, like Gary Harris obviously wasn't the same after he came back from injury. And Will wasn't the same after he came back from injury that season. But they right? found Monte but, Morris and there were a lot of, yeah. like they, they had a good Malik Beasley year. There yeah. were a lot of things that went right. good for them. They finished they finished second in the Western Conference. They got a good live versus the Spurs. You know, yeah. they lucked out on the timeout thing, which is still hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, they caught a bad break in game seven. In general, that year a lot went right. What's crazy is last year they made the Western Conference finals no will martin like they were they were missing their starting small forward gary wasn't in wasn't back until midway through the first round series and a lot of their advanced numbers tanked during the play in the bubble play because jamal was out for some of that and they were so shorthanded like they had nobody like they were remember they they couldn't scrimmage because they didn't have enough guys. They were starting the, ball the... ball, man. Like they were starting yeah. to ball ball. <laughs> yeah. So like things didn't go right last year. I don't think things have gone right this year. I think that's like just top to bottom. The only thing that's gone right is Nicola. Usually somebody as cynical as I am would be like, how you like, you better make a run because Nicola is not going to be this good again. And I'm like, I have no reason to think he won't be this good again. Like part of that is that I podcast with Adam Mars three days a week. <laughs> so I've been brainwashed into thinking that Nicole Jokic can do literally anything. But part of it is genuinely that like, he doesn't play a high impact game. He's not Russell Westbrook, where like, he's not Blake Griffin where he's going to suffer, you know, God forbid he'll like, he'll probably have an injury at some point, knock on wood. Like yep. he'll probably have an injury at some point, hopefully not serious knock on wood, but like, his game will probably not be affected because of how good he is at everything and how skill-based it is. Sure. We haven't had a season where Jamal has put it together. We just haven't seen it. This was going to be the one. Nope. Nope. (laughs) He's really hurt. Got hurt early on, never recovered. Wasn't able to do go through his usual off season. Every like this has been, I, I feel worse for Jamal Murray. I've been hard on him through the years. Right. I've, I have been. I've been hard on him for the inconsistency and all that. I started creating him last year because I saw that he, he put a lot into his defense and his passing. And I talked a lot about that, but I was still like, I still don't know if he's good enough. I mean, I watched those playoff games. He's a 16 game player. And I, I do firmly believe I firmly believe that in a normal season with a normal offseason, Jamal Murray is right now today that he was probably announced an NBA all star. Sure. Or a reserve, at least. Sure. Like in the coming days, he would be like a oh, yeah, like it would be like, oh, well, Murray's obviously in. That would be the conversation. I believe that. I think that he really just I, I watch him and I've heard him talk. I believe he's hurt and has been hurt. And he started to play like he was hoping to the last couple of games. Predictably, it's too late. It's too late. Like it always is for him. But yep. one of these yep. years, he's going to have one where it clicks for him and everything falls into place. Um, the other thing is I do think that with another honestly, I do think this. If they have a year where they are they let's say that they get the five. Okay. And, and they lose to the Warriors in seven games. Okay. A possibility. Yeah. You know, Steph goes bonkers. What are you gonna do? Sure. Um maybe David Lee gets hurt again, you know. Uh anyway, <laughs> like sorry, Nuggets. Um I think that you're still able to look at this year and go look, the COVID stuff was a mess. The injuries were a mess. The schedule was a mess. We were not expecting Jeremy. It was a contracted offseason. Like everything was very frantic and sudden. And I think that they'll be able to go like, okay, we know what we need to do plan for it accordingly and make the moves in the off season to get where they need to go. Like I'm pretty optimistic about the nuggets next year, this year though, here's the upside is if you want, like we talked about like talking people off of it, I had debated whether or not the Nuggets were gonna be a top four team. Like you and I talked about this, like whether or not they're gonna to finish top four. And I was like, I don't know if that's gonna be the case. Um Adam I was the other of, way.
0: I, was the, I I said yeah, they're gonna be a one seed. It was it was uh it was not great.
1: Well, no, and like I mean this is just like a couple weeks ago, like we've just been talking about this on Twitter. Like I'm I've been talked into it by Adam a little bit and just thinking about it and looking at this at the at the West. I think there's a pretty decent chance that they wind up at five at least yep um i don't think it's likely that it's you know it's possible right the worst case scenario is that it winds up the top three four is phoenix five is golden state uh and then denver falls to six and the lakers fall to third and then it's three six lakers and you're just like okay nothing you can do nothing you can do However, but the flip side of this is let's say they they get the five and they get Phoenix, who I think they can beat. It'd be tough. It'd be a good series, but they could beat them. They get Utah again. Yep. And everyone would be like, no, this Utah team is different. (laughs) Uh, Having having Bogdanovich matters, but having Will Barton matters too. Not as much as Bogdanovich, but having Will Barton and then Gary Harris for for the whole way would matter. And this to call Jokic... Um, I think Nuggets fans would feel pretty good about it. And talk, honestly, talking to the Jazz fans that are on Twitter, they, they're all like, "We want no part. Don't no no Denver. Don't care." Well, just, they just no know Denver. what happens.
0: They they understand that 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 is just a specific matchup that their defensive formula doesn't really work. That <laughs> they
1: right. they have
0: they have to have a center that comes at them, and Jokic just goes around them and
1: through them.
0: So from, here's what's crazy. To top
1: of them. For all of this, if they get the right series of matchups, they could still make it to the Western Conference Finals again. This is why I'm not panicking,
0: man. Like this season is so long and it can take so many different forms. And like you have talked about, it's not the team that you are at the start. It's the team that you are going into this thing. And that could be with Jamal Murray playing at an all-star level. That could be with Nicole Jokic still playing as a, a top three player in the NBA. It could still be with Mike. It could be with Michael Porter Jr. having figured some stuff out, and Denver figuring some stuff out with him. You're grimacing at that. You're you're, you're a little bit. You're a little bit skeptical. I will um, just and- say.
1: I will just say this. Uh, at this point, I am in. If Michael Porter Jr. works out, then awesome. You have to start planning for a scenario in which this is not the year for it. Yeah. Like, you know, and this is why. Again, I think. I think looking at a move that gets you the ability, uh, if you can make a trade for a wing where you're not dependent, it would be really good. It would just be really good. There, any, there
0: Are there any names that you have circled or just? That no, are-
1: and that's the problem. So like, there's just like, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I can, I can run down like the stuff that I've heard um, yeah. in terms of like what the league looks like. There hasn't been anybody that really like blows me away. Um, the only one that I've heard and um I haven't spoken to anybody in Denver about this yet just as a heads up, but like, there's a feeling that Denver has some interest in JJ Redick. And so like, that's an offensive weapon, right? Like it adds you a pure shooter. That's going to give you a lot there. I could, I know you're not going to be on board with JJ Redick. I think he'd help. I think you're yeah, there,
0: there like, I'll tell you this. If you put JJ, good.
1: I'll tell you this right now. If you put JJ Redick and Faco Composo's minutes, I think the nuggets are probably three games better. That I could see
0: That I could see, but it it, it kind of solidifies that bench unit a little bit and makes them run a little bit smoother.
1: I I can see that. Um, But other than that, it's like, you know, Otto Porter might get bought out. Who's really good. I think it'd be a good fit. Decent option. I think that's like, that's the level of guys that we're talking about. And the only other one that I can really point to is Victor Oladipo. That's like, and that you're going to have to give up some significant assets for. Houston's going to come back and still like this. That's one where Houston's going to be like, we, no, no, we we traded Harden for him. That's, that's what we traded Harden for. I, we're going to want Porter. Same deal. want Porter. And you can't trade Porter.
0: Nice decision, Houston, but like. And you can't
1: trade, and one, you can't trade Porter for Oladipo. There's no way. No way. I like Oladipo more. I think he brings a lot to the table. I think it would be. I think it's a really good combo, but I'm not sure it is. And then the reason is
0: not based off of any Porter fanboying or love or anything like that. It's just, I don't think that the nuggets needed another undersized guard when they're trading. Well,
1: I think Oladipo is actually able to defend well enough to where like he's, he's capable of all of high level defense. Yeah. Um, and the bar here for a Porter replacement is understands in space where he exists on the terrestrial plane. So <laughs> that's true. Hey, there is something to that. Um, I think Daniel
0: house uh, as, as a potential option. Interesting. Also, also from Houston. Uh, who's uh, just kind of like, he's a little bit undersized for, for what you would want at the three, but he's good enough and strong enough to play the three uh, we've, we've heard the Harrison Barnes stuff before. He's probably not getting moved because they like him too much. Um, and also it, it would it would take a lot to to prime away from Sacramento with the way that he's playing right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so instead of going down that road, but I do think that it would help. I do worry that in a playoff series with Utah, you basically wind up it where it being much the same as last year, except the jazz bench just absolutely dominate. And then some of those losses, you remember like yang was huge yeah, right yeah. um clarkson's even better this year which is a problem like he's, he's really good he's really good yeah i mean that's one of the things is like on the if it's bench units who's countering clarkson for denver like who's giving you anything is that pj
0: dozier's music
1: yeah i mean <laughs> you know and i like pj a lot that's yeah. just weird it's like i like a lot of this roster it you know I will say this. I'm not like I am. This is the thing. I'm not out on Porter. I'm just trying very hard at this point with how he's looked this season, not to have expectations anymore of. I don't expect him to be good because he hasn't shown it. I'm not saying that that means that like he's bad and going forever going to be bad and you can dismiss him. But I am at a point of, I can't keep going back and saying over and over again, like, well, if Porter can just figure it out. I'm sure Porter can figure it out in terms of scoring, but, and I will say this, like, I thought I, I talked about this last night. I thought he was really good in that last game. Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was really good. There was no major mistakes. I had no complaints about Porter in that game. thought he was fine. Totally fine. Um,
0: I do think that this is the right time and over, over this, these next eight games before the all-star break, this is the time where you iron out as many kinks as possible against an Eastern conference slate that it's not going to be as impactful from a schedule perspective. They do have to win some of these games. Don't get me wrong. And they, they've got the a Portland game coming up at home next week that you have to win that one. Like that's, that's just one that you got to win in this case if you want to be a good seed, but this is the time in my opinion, to really experiment and try to come up with that identity and rediscover who you are. Porter can be part of that. He just has to continue to do the things that he needs to do to get back in. And like I, I have, I have a checklist of three things probably before we go here. He's got to maintain better defensive focus, and he can't let his offense affect that. There are so many situations where the coaching staff gets frustrated with him when when the offense isn't going through that he he loses defensive focus. That that play against Jalen Brown really stands out. Yep. Uh, from a couple of days ago, he has to attack the rim better on both ends of the floor. Uh, if he's like, I think he has three or four games where he has more than two free throw attempts. That should be higher. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that a player of his talent and a player of his height and skill should be getting to the free throw line more. And then he's got to cut out those pull out threes, pull up threes. He's down to eighteen percent on those. Jeez. It's been bad. And the body language from the Nuggets when he goes into a pull-up three, especially if it's early in the clock when when the, the rest of the offense is getting set up, everybody thinks it's missing now. And I think that if Porter just cuts that those possessions out, just, just that one thing, you'll start seeing some results. he will start getting better threes. You'll start getting more offensive possessions that look good and feel good and play good. I, I do think that there are things that he can do and that the Nuggets can do, that can pull this thing back. But it's about starting that process now. And and he did a good job against Washington, as you said. But until he takes those other steps, I'm with you. I'm not going to count on him as being a high-impact contributor unless I see that progress over the course of these next eight games.
1: I think he's. it's interesting you mentioned the pull-up threes. For me, it's not even like a bad type of shot. It really is just – like a lot of it – don't record scratch on open looks. If you're open, nobody's going to be mad at you for shooting, right? Nobody's going to be mad at you for shooting, but look at the clock. If there's, (laughs) if there's, if there's more than 10 seconds on the clock, just keep going. Like it's you, you don't and I, I get it because he's been worried about being frozen out but this is one of the things that I, I – I started really noticing this after he came back. He had that first rough start. Monte and Will are actively hunting to get him the ball. So like, is Jamal too. Like, Jamal wants yeah, to get Jamal, him the ball. They are trying. Yeah. Like they. And I think part of that is, like, look, kid, you're going to get touches. You don't have to shoot it every time. You're going to get touches. You need to feel like it's going to come back to you. Yep. You know, you don't have to be like, I got to get this shot up, otherwise – I'm never going to see it again. Like that's, that's not it. Like the nuggets are at their best when everybody's eating. And I I think that that's there. He's just got to the, the shot clock stuff is really bothersome when it's like, this is not that offense, man. You know, like if you play for Orlando, this is not a problem. You do not play for Orlando. Orlando would be like, that's the best shot we're going to (laughs) get. You
0: know, I watch a lot of Orlando.
1: I, I know this.
0: Yeah. The expectations are just so much higher and, and it is going to be a high expectation and a high level of expectation for a team that has this level of offensive talent. He is a part of that. And, and like you said, it it's, it's gotta be that golden state mentality. It's gotta be that even that Utah jazz mentality where you can give up the ball and know that you're going to get it back because everybody else is going to make the right play. And right now the rest of the nuggets don't feel that he's going to make the right play. And that there's, there's a lot of, Hey, we know we're not going to get the ball back. If we're going to pass it here, let's just see what happens. Oh, Oh, there's the shot. And, and that's a problem. There's, there's no way around it. You hope that he's talented enough to push through it at times, but you also hope that he learns and that he knows he doesn't have to do that every single time in order to break out of this slump. Before we go one
1: last thing, we do need to talk about it. Um, Jokic all-star all-star starter. starter uh massive fan vote substantial media vote like you made the comment on twitter that like that's the definition of a superstar and like I was 100 percent on board with that I mean I never I, I really I never thought he would get to the level I didn't think before 2019 he would get to the level that he got in that year. I didn't think that in 2020, he gets the level that he got in that year. And I certainly never thought he would get to the level that he's gotten to this year. And it is, I just can't imagine being that talented, just <laughs> that unbelievably. And, and look, uh, lots of guys have talent. Joker has put in the work to put his body in a condition to be able to do it we all thought like, man, a short off season, this is going to be a disaster. He never starts the season. Well, for him to come in like this is just really impressive. Um, He's been such a great leader. He's shown up every single night. He's one of the best players in franchise history. And that's incredible.
0: It's the ultimate sign of professionalism that he continues to grow his game and make these minor improvements that turn out to be major improvements every single year. You love to see guys that continue to put in the work like him, that continue to set the example in terms of just learning how to do things the right way. And then having the moral platitude to be able to follow through on that. Uh, I'm really impressed with what we've seen from him. Not just like, like you said, not just from a, a skills perspective, from a body perspective, but from a, I am going to lead this team. There's been a massive attitude shift from last year to this year in terms of the responsibility he's taking every single time down the floor. And it's on offense. It's on defense. It's on in the huddles. It's from the sidelines screaming at people. It's from on the floor screaming at people, uh, (laughs) which is, is is also funny. But He has been truly a level of superstar that we have never, I don't think we've ever seen this level in Denver. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. I wasn't around to see Alex English. I wasn't around to see David Thompson, but this feels incredibly special.
1: Well said, well said on that. That's Ryan Blackburn. He's the host of this show. If you're listening to Denver's This Show. He is on The Sip Show. If you're listening to Locked Up Nuggets. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. And we will talk to you guys again next time on our respective podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you.